The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. All right, if you have your Bibles, let's open them to the book of Acts chapter 20. And we're going to uh, be in verses 13 through 21. And the title of the message is very simple. It's Pastor Paul. So we're gonna be looking at, uh, this will be the, the first part of it, and next week will be part two. We'll finish uh, where Paul you know, has stayed in Ephesus for uh, about three years. Uh, that was not his norm. Paul was an ambassador. Paul was, in many ways, was an apostle, which means one who is sent. And you know, he was going all around the Mediterranean to all these countries, he would go by ship, sometimes by land, but he would go there to the big cities and the communities and preach to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles and then plant house churches. So that was his life, that was his ministry, that was his style, that was his calling. But when he landed in Ephesus, apparently the Holy Spirit spoke to Paul and it was confirmed, obviously Ephesus was a very significant city uh, and therefore a significant church. In the last book of the New Testament, the book of Revelation, one of the seven letters to the seven churches. Now obviously there were many churches, but there were seven churches singled out for personal letters from none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's the church of Ephesus that the Lord Jesus wrote a letter to in uh, Revelation chapters two and three. Well, it's a very special church because uh, that's where the Apostle Paul stayed for three years and kind of switched hats and, and became, instead of Apostle, Missionary Ambassador Paul, he became for three years Pastor Paul. So now he is basically giving after three years of investment. I mean, you know, how, how cool would it be to have your pastor? My pastor is the Apostle Paul, who saw the Lord Jesus in his glorified risen body in the heavens on the road to Damascus. But now it's come to a conclusion. Paul's got to get back on the road. He's got to get back to Jerusalem. So he's got a lot of things going on, but he, he was giving his farewell address to the elders, the leadership, and to the church. So it's going to be a very uh, special message the next couple of weeks. Let's bow our heads and pray. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. Thank you, Lord, for those who are here. Thank you for those who are listening, radio and online. And Lord, the body coming together in your house this very night and entering now into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. And may the church have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us tonight. We thank you, Lord, and we give you all the praise and all of the glory. And Lord, we're anxious, we're excited uh, to see what you would say, and we are ready to run with the message that you write on the tablets of our heart. We're ready to follow you, we're ready to obey you, we're ready to step into the story of what you are doing at this very moment of time. And we ask all of these things in the wonderful, worthy, praise 
name of Jesus. In his name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Okay, um, so let's look at Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 13. We're going to look at verses 13 through 15. And the life lesson is never forget your adaption was always God's plan A. So if you want to fill in your notes, you can do that. And we'll explain what we mean in just a moment. It says in verse 13, Then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Asos. So interesting, now we see the word we, which is, you know, formerly it was, and then Paul and they, but now all of a sudden, in verse 13, it says we. What that tells us is that the person who is writing the book of Acts, who is is writing the record of the original church that started in Jerusalem, then was met with heavy opposition and persecution, and then was scattered by that persecution around the Roman world, the author is none other than Luke. Luke was a doctor by trade. He was a physician, which I think is kind of interesting because he became attached to the Apostle Paul and traveled with him on some of his missionary journeys. So here, you know, we're talking about the the Apostle Paul. Healings, miracles, supernatural things were happening, deliverances. And yet God put with him a man who had studied medicine to those days. He understood the human body and he was able to care and comfort Paul. So what I, so he also wrote the gospel according to Luke. Same author is the author of the book of Acts. And now he says we are traveling. So what I want to say is that uh, very simply, an observation. We're, we're not in competition uh, with the medical field. In fact, at Maranatha Chapel, we have many that are in the medical field. That's your background. That there's doctors and nurses and anesthesiologists and technicians of all kinds. And we bless you in the name of the Lord. If that's your calling, you have a calling like Jesus. You are a healer. You are one that is able to minister to others and help others and assist others. And, and we, we acknowledge that physical realm. Our bodies are fearfully, mysteriously, wonderfully made and designed. We have had great capacity to learn about it and to study it and how to see the body and how to keep things in balance and how everything works together. I mean, every human body if you know medicine and have studied in depth at all, it's like a miniature universe that is happening in the human body. So it's amazing that God can create the universe, you know, big, but he also creates little universes within our own bodies. And I like that, that you know, medical uh, science and those gifts are used with the supernatural miracle working Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul and Peter and the other apostles. So it's not a, you know, either or, they're not in competition, but it's more a both and. Can I hear an amen on that? So anyway, he says, so we, then we went ahead to the ship and sailed to Asos. They're intending to take Paul on board. For so he had given orders, intending himself to go on foot. And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and came then to Mytilene, 
We sailed from there and the next day came opposite Chios. The following day we arrived at Samos and stayed at Trogilium. And the next day we came to Miletus. So <laughs> this is kind of interesting. These are, you know, the ancient places you go on a map and you can find these places and follow the travels of the Apostle Paul, or if you want, you can you know, go on the World Wide Web and say, hey, I would like to look at the traveling uh, places of the Apostle Paul, and it will give you his first missionary journey, second missionary journey, and finally, his third journey. But uh, here is what is interesting here. We found out last week that you know, Paul would go to a place and then there was a riot broke out and they were ready to kill him because he had been preaching the gospel and so many of the local people had come to Jesus, and even so many tourists who had come were no longer buying the little idols, so it kind of ruined the idol business, and they were ready to you know, tear them apart, uh, partly in the name of religion, partly and probably mostly in the name of money. So Paul, uh, there was a plot where they knew they're gonna get this guy. It was the Jewish people, you know, some accepted Jesus as the Messiah, some rejected him. Those who rejected him were so against Jesus that they said, they plotted, we're going to kill the Apostle Paul. I want you to note, who was it that wanted to kill the Apostle Paul? They're religious people. Jewish people who were following the Ten Commandments and saying we love and worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they wanted to kill the Apostle Paul. And so they were also part of that same crowd that wanted to kill Jesus. So we, we have to be careful because there can be a religious spirit that when it is not in line and in tune with God's spirit or divine truth or revelation can be extremely dangerous. So there were guys that were committed. They said, we're gonna find Paul on a ship and in the middle of the night, we'll go grab him and blindfold him and then throw him overboard so that he drowns. So that was a reality. So Paul had to make an adjustment. Paul had to shift his plans when he heard, oh, they're waiting for me to get on a ship. So in the middle of the night, they come grab me and throw me overboard. So Paul used his noggin and said, I think I'll walk instead of go on a ship. How many would agree that sounds like a good plan? Nice adaption. But here is what is interesting. When Paul, because of those circumstances, he would probably have rather have you know, gone on the ship and go in a very quicker, direct way. Now he's got to walk. It's going to take a lot longer. So it's kind of his adaption. It's Paul's plan B. But here's what I want you to know. God already knew the circumstances before this ever came about. And therefore, God wanted the Apostle Paul not to go on the ship. He wanted Paul to have to walk. So while he is walking and Paul is praying, the Lord had time to minister to Paul where he's kind of undistracted when you're on a ship, you're kind of contained, you got all these people, getting alone is not easy. So what, what for Paul was plan B was actually from the very beginning always God's plan A. Do you see what I'm saying? And what I want to make an application is for your lives. Right now, we're having to make a lot of changes, a lot of disruptions. Uh, there's all kinds of decisions that we're having to make. And so 
We had one idea in mind, and we, but I, Lord, I thought I was going to go here, and oh, no. And many times it's very difficult and very challenging, and it's really, not only is it plan B, it's like plan Z. This is the last thing I want to do. But know this, God already knew. Therefore, if God already knew, he has already made a plan And what I want you to realize is that plan that came out of your changing and adapting to the circumstances actually became and always was God's plan A. Now, there are some of you that might be going, man, my life has been so hard and I've made so many mistakes and I I think my whole life has been a, a life of plan B. And there's some of you that say, man, I I think I've had some plans C's and D's in there too. But what if I told you, no, your father in heaven is so gracious and he's so good and he is so loving, he only has plan A. Amen? Amen? You're in plan A. You didn't know it. But every single thing that has ever happened to you and where you are right now, you are in plan A. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. This is a scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And let's read uh, this scripture out loud together. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose. All right, again, I want you to, you know, if you have your notes there or your Bible, underline where it says, all things work together for good. Now, this was inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was and is the author of the Bible. He is the one who wrote, the Holy Spirit wrote, the Spirit of God wrote the book of Romans. The pen or the instrument in the hands of the Holy Spirit was the Apostle Paul. But the author was God. And God doesn't make mistakes. And and so I want you to note specifically what it says. It does not say, and had it been, okay, so most things will work out together for good. But that's not what he said. The Holy Spirit wants you to know all things. And we know that all things work together for good. I know that there are many of us, if not all of us, have regrets, we have made mistakes, we've made wrong choices, then we've had to adapt, and maybe you know, we came back to the Lord, or we repented, or whatever, and we're like, oh no, Lord, my, the mess of my life, I give it to you. And God, you're good that it's been really messy and I've blown it so many times, but anyway, your, your goodness just kind of covers all that. But it's deeper than that. Not only can God forgive your past and erase all of that, he literally says, wherever you have been, whatever you have done, whatever has happened to you, I, because of who I am, and I am your father, I will make all things come together for good to those who love me and are called according to my purpose. All things. I want you to put that into your mind for just a second because 
Many of you, you know, you say, well, I know that God is good, but God, as I look at my life, and we often judge ourselves, which is not a good thing to do. You know, probably the, the first person that you judge the most and the hardest is yourself. How many of you that's true? Don't raise your hands. You'd all, it's all us, right? Do you know that Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 7, judge not lest you be judged. We're not to judge ourselves. We are not the best judges of ourselves. We reserve that and we leave that to God. Okay, so you learn as a Christian, God is good. But then, and okay, he's forgiven my past, he's washed me, cleansed me by his blood, he's made me a royal center daughter, but I'm still scraping by, trying to do the best I can with this you know, little life I have. God, I know you're good, but are you that good? Are you really that good? That whatever I thought was my plan B, you already knew it, and you already, as my father, made plans in light of it, and you, it became for you where I am right now in your goodness and grace, I'm in your plan A. God, are you that good? He says, yes. I am that good. I am better than you could ever dream or imagine. And that's why I'm telling you, let your mind, let the seed be planted within you. Literally, tonight, you're in plan A. Because God is with you, and he loves you. And he has said, I will all things do work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Now look with me at verse 16. Verse 16 says, For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Here's what I want to note in verse 16. I'm going to take a few minutes to talk about this. Paul honored the biblical calendar, and I want to say, and so should we as Christians. As I have mentioned, we are currently in the month of Av. And look, all through the Bible, they say, well, it was this month, and usually they give a number, the second month, third month, seventh month, first month, whatever. And we just go, because we, we have the Gregorian calendar and we know it's not January and February, but we don't really even know what it is. But I want to tell you, if it's in the Bible, it's there for a reason. Everything, everything means something. God's calendar is in the Bible for a reason, and it's extremely powerful and influential. And once we learn about his calendar, I really believe that God wants us to get off our worldly calendar, and he really wants all of his children who know him, love him, and follow him to be on his calendar. <laughs> so that's why we celebrate the feasts of the Lord. I know there, you know, people go, well, yeah, but that's in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 23. There are seven feasts in the Bible. Starts with Passover, and it goes all the way to the Feast of Tabernacles. But here's what's beautiful about them. They're not called even the feasts of the Jews. They're called the feasts of the Lord. If he is your Lord, then these feasts are for you. And the Hebrew word for feast Yes, it did mean eating. They, by the way, 
I'm okay with having parties where we get to eat and celebrate God. Are you guys good with that? God is preparing us for heaven. Heaven is heaven. And it means when you have, you know, have a cool experience, how many times does it, and we went, we went to this great restaurant, we had this great food, and we were laughing and talking and sharing stories and remembering around the dinner table, around the family table, or whatever it is. So heaven, this is a foretaste of what it's going to be. And what's beautiful is all the seven feasts of the Lord point to Jesus Christ, and they're fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And it's extremely important. So anyway, we're in the month of Av. Right now, the biblical month called Av, and the symbol of the month of Av is a lion. Uh, and Av means father. So what I want to say is right now, we're in the month of your heavenly father, and the sign of the month of our father is the lion. And obviously, the lion also points to the Lord Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But it really is focused on our relationship with our father, and we're to listen to our father's voice. So the last few months we've been talking about, we're, you know, every year we go through in, in the months and the feasts and all of that, we go through the pattern of what ancient Israel went through. So a few months ago, it was a month of transition. And then that went into the narrow straits. It's a three-week window where you're in a narrow place, a protected place, and then you come out of the dire straits, as they're called. And this month, the month of the Father, is the month the children of Israel were to enter into the promised land. So that's what we're to do. Can I hear an amen? amen? So this is where you can say, Lord, so we're in that month, then you're my father and you love me and you're so good. I'm in your plan A. Lord, I want to enter into your promises. I want to move forward with my life. I want to give you all the praise and the glory. But there, so there was um, this day when the, you know, the spies came back from the land, they'd, they'd visited the land and to confirm that it was flowing with milk and honey, but 10 of the spies gave an evil report, a bad report, and the bad report was against God. They were basically saying, you're not a good dad, because why in the world would you lead us and our poor little children into a land? Yeah, it's beautiful flowing with milk and honey, but there's giants there, and they're so big, we're like grasshoppers, and they'll eat us you know, like bread and we'll be destroyed. So they were saying, we don't like what you've done, we don't like where you've taken us, and we don't trust you. But there were two that said, no, it's a good land, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, but God's with us, and don't compare those earthly giants to yourself, compare those little pipsqueaks to the creator of the universe, almighty God. He says, the battle is mine, not yours. He said, I will fight your battles for you. All you do is walk forward and worship me. And God says, I will knock the giants down. They needed to have faith like they would have from a young man named David, who was a teenager, who in the land of the Philistines went into one of those giants. And the giant's like, oh, what is this? The best person from the army of Israel is a kid? He goes, man, I'm going to humiliate this kid and embarrass you all. And then that kid says, how dare you come against, not just me, but you, you're taking on the living God of Israel? Are you out of your mind? I'm going to chop your head off with your own sword and stand on top of you. This is the land that God has given to us. Amen. That's the story of David. Goliath. 
The bigger they are, the harder they fall. But 10 said no. Not only did they say no, we don't want to go forward. They said we want to turn around and go back to Egypt. After 400 years of tyranny, slavery, their children for 400 years were born to be owned property. You know that whole story. They wanted to go back. And what did God say? God said, well, you're not going back. You'll just stay where you are and you'll go in circles, but you will die and perish in the wilderness. So we spoke about the 10 spies when the entire generation of Israelites rescued from Egypt was sentenced to die. And when they realized, oh wow, we've just been judged by God, the people rebelled against God further. So it's bad enough that he said, look, you can't, I'm not gonna make you go back to Egypt, but you can't go forward, you just stay where you are, you're gonna die there. So they decided on the heels of that, rather than repenting, they said, let's rebel more. How many know that if you're in rebellion and you get caught by your father in heaven, that you ought to stop rebelling now? But they're like, no. So they rebelled further by attempting to overthrow the Lord's designated leadership which was Moses and Aaron. They said, the whole reason we're out here is because we followed our leaders, Moses and Aaron, and they're bad leaders, and they're wrong leaders, and we don't agree with them. The rebellion was instigated and organized by a man named Korah. But did you know that Korah, he's not just some name of some guy, he was family to Moses. He was Moses' cousin. Family against family in the leadership. So here is a very, very deep and very powerful lesson because Jesus said in the last days, families would be divided against families. We're living in a time right now where you know, vaccine, I got it, I didn't get it. And then the family, it's, it's one thing out in the world and your job, that's hard enough, but when your own family, one side is saying, you this, and the other comes back with you that, whoo. So we need to really look up and call upon the name of the Lord. Korah made a rebellion, he got about 250 guys, which is, seems like a lot, but you have to put that in perspective, that had about two and a half million Jews. Out of two and a half, million were 250. Not really a big percentage. So finally, you know, they're trying to lead a rebellion and the people are like, well, what should we do? So Moses said, well, okay, draw a line in the sand. Uh, me and my brother Aaron will stand here. Uh, Cora, my cousin, you stand over there. You bring your families and let's just say, okay, God, you decide. So they go, that's a great plan. So that's what they did. They drew a line. And the people got behind Moses and Aaron, who wanted to, and the people got behind Korah and their people. And then the Bible says, do you know what happened? The ground opened up beneath the feet of Korah and became a hole. Then Korah and all their families fell into the hole, and then the earth covered them over. And then Moses looked at Aaron, and they said, well, okay, then let's go. And then all the people started following Moses and Aaron. Kind of ended the whole deal. But what I want to say is that in these stressful times, be careful. 
And what I want to say also is this. One of the biggest tactics of the enemy is to get us off God's time. And the reason I'm saying this is back to verse 16. Here you have the apostle Paul, who is a believer in Jesus as the Messiah, after the resurrection, after Pentecost, after the church is here, but he is still saying, I need to be on God's calendar. I want to be in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost. And here's what's interesting, and I'm just going to say it briefly. In the book of Daniel, God gave Daniel a timeline of the end times, of when the Messiah was going to come. Actually, the first coming as well as the second coming. He he gave him the time. And the Bible says that in the demonic realm, the prince of Persia, there was an angel commissioned, because Daniel's praying, Lord, I need your help to understand the times. What time is it? How should we live? What should we do? And he prayed and he fasted and he waited for the answer for 21 days. Finally, an angel shows up to give him definition and explanation, which is written in the book of Daniel. But he tells Daniel, hey, I was sent 21 days ago to bring you the answer of understanding the times of the end, when the kingdom is going to come. He goes, but I was withstood. I was fighting the prince of Persia for 21 days. What I want to say about that is the Bible does give us what time it is. And I'm going to say it very clearly and plainly to you. We are in the last days. Jesus is coming. What's happening in the world now fits into what the Bible described, what Jesus outlined. This is what it is. And we need to be aware of that. And what I want you to realize is the devil doesn't like those who know what time it is because they're moving forward. He would rather that, you know, Israel and the church go backwards. He's fine if you want to go in circles and live in anxiety and fear. But the last thing he wants is for you to move forward with your life, entering into the very promises of God. He wants you to be afraid of the giants and stay back here because he knows if you walk in faith and you let God fight your battles, his big, strong giants are going to be pancaked by God. (laughs) And those giants are demonic monsters who are squatters. They do not have the legal right to be on the land that is God's that he gave to his people. But those precious Land that you know, God said, I give it to you, but you got to put your foot on it. That means if you put your foot on it, you got to face the giants that are in it and tell them, in the name, like David, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this is not your property, this is not your home, this is not your marriage, this is not your family, this is not your town, not your city, your state, your country. This belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, and let the Lord then knock them down. So, these are the this is why it's so important. The devil does not like people to know what time it is. He tries everything he can uh, to get people off of it. So I want to encourage you guys, if you didn't yet, on, you know, you have, if, to get the app, Maranatha Chapel TV. I keep saying Maranatha TV, and then people say, I can't find it on the app. And I say, it's because it, you got a Maranatha Chapel TV. Then it'll pop up. But I want you, if you haven't watched it, You know, I want you guys, because it's not like weekend material yet. 
They probably will be in the near future, but right now I want you to watch about the red heifer. My latest episode, which is episode 12, is about the red heifer, and that's part one. And the, the second part, which I'm gonna do next week, is about the coming, hear my voice, coming third temple that's going to be built in Jerusalem. It's coming and it's going to happen. So I want you guys to watch that because here's the good news. When you know the calendar of God and are walking in the calendar of God, like Paul said, I wanna be in Jerusalem at the Feast of Pentecost. When you're in God's calendar, you know what to expect, you know what to do, you know how to think, you know how to, where to fix your eyes, because everything on the planet right now, can, and it's gonna continue to be this way, is gonna be shaky, 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 and we're all gonna be running around like chickens with our heads cut off unless we know God's word, unless we know his prophecies, unless we know his plans, and if we know his calendar, you are at peace, and you're going, man, I knew this was coming. Oh, this is where it gets really exciting because God's going to swoop in here. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And he's with us and he's got it all. The world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. When you follow his word and his calendar and his time, you're empowered. There's no fear. There is faith. And by the way, if you have a pen or pencil, write this down. I'm throwing it all out here right now, tonight. I want you to write this date down. And if you're anywhere near San Diego, California, I want you here Monday night, September 6th, for what I believe is the most significant biblical time of 2021. It's called the Feast of Trumpets. Monday night, September the 6th, muy importante. And I have something that I want that is burning in my heart that I want to share with you about the third temple because in the name of Jesus, I believe that many and much of the church are going to misunderstand what's going on if we're here to see it and they're going to miss it. So I want to share with you something from the prophet Ezekiel that will help open all of that up. So that'll be coming. Uh, I'll do it on Tuesday and it'll come the following Monday. Okay, look at with me, verse 17. And I want to say this, Paul's address to the Ephesian elders is unique as it reveals Paul the pastor rather than Paul the evangelist. So verse 17 says, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. This passage gives us a glimpse of how Paul ministered in Ephesus for three years as Pastor Paul. And what I want to say here is, and he called for the elders of the church. I'm just going to quickly go over some Greek words, but my point is to bring them to the English words you know of today. The word elder in Greek is presbytos. It's where we get our word presbyter. Sound familiar? Have you ever heard of the Presbyterians? It comes from the Bible. It's what is the Greek word translated in verse 17 as called for the elders. He called for the Presbyters. And it refers to a mature person who has been anointed for the service, the elders of the church. The same people are called overseers 
which is in the Greek, episkopos. Have you ever heard of an episcopalian? That's a Greek word. And it, literally, it's translated in English as overseer or bishop. You ever heard of bishop so-and-so? That word bishop is episkopos. Those bishops were chosen to feed the church, and which means shepherd. Paul called the local church a flock of sheep. He got that from Jesus. So these men were also pastors. And the word pastor, that's the title I choose to go by as pastor. We have pastors at our church. It's biblical, and the word pastor means shepherd. So if we have a flock of sheep, uh, then the leader would be called a shepherd or a pastor. So in the New Testament churches, just so you know, the three titles, elder, bishop, and pastor, are synonymous. They're not in competition with one another. They're all basically saying the same thing. These are those who have walked with the Lord, who have a responsibility to be in the word, to be in prayer, to counsel, encourage, comfort. And that's what Paul had been an elder, bishop, pastor, encourager, teacher to the church of Ephesus for three years. Verses 18 and 19. So now Paul begins. Now he's addressing the elders or the leaders or the pastors or the bishops of Ephesus. The motive for all ministry should simply be to serve the Lord. Here's Paul's heart. So we're just getting into it now. Verse 18, and when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jewish people. Those were those who rejected. So I just want to say this. Paul says, from the very first day. And he doesn't say that I came to, you know, minister to you guys. He says, I am here and I've been here for three years because through you, the one I'm really serving is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was not interested in making money. He was not interested in having an easy life. Uh, he made clear his motives for ministry were spiritual. They were not selfish. And the way he did his ministry so personally, he loved them and he prayed for them and he counseled them and he encouraged them. He lived a consistent life. He said, I have nothing to hide. He was a humble, approachable man of God. And he was not a religious celebrity that looked at his flock as those who all serve him. And God forbid that there would be those religious leaders who use people just to serve themselves. That is not the example laid by Jesus or by the disciples or by the Bible and certainly was not the Apostle Paul. But I also want to say this, because he was a humble man and an approachable man, uh, his humility was not a sign of weakness. It was a sign of courage. He didn't ma it didn't matter. I'll face trials, hardships, opposition, but I will not quit. And I will stay here no matter what. And I've been with you for three years and I've been faithful. So he was not ashamed to admit to his friends, there have been times that I've wept and prayed over you. So I can say, as a pastor, I am here. I'm available, I'm approachable. I wanna be like, I wanna serve the Lord. I'm not just serving you know, an organization. This is not some you know, power thing. Uh, I, you know, honestly, this started in my heart when I started teaching 
the word in my parents' house. I just love Jesus. I love the Bible. I invited a handful of friends and they came. And lo, these many years later, that's how I still feel, that I'm in my dad's house opening my Bible. Hey, let me share with you what God shared with me and spoke to my heart. But he's added a few more people. The house got a little bigger. And God is good. And I have prayed for you, and I have never prayed for you like I am praying for you right now because I know what we're all going through and because of what God is speaking to me and showing me about where we are now going and heading. It is it, everything that the Bible said is landing on us. It's all happening. It's coming. And I've been telling you, and now people are saying, hey, I think maybe it is the last days. You bet it is. So you need to know God's word, but we also need to know his rhythms, his patterns, his calendar, so that we can walk together as brother and sister. Look, we don't have a choice. We can't go back and be slaves to the flesh. We don't want to go back to the world, but we can't stay where we are and wait for everything to come back to normal. That ain't going to happen. We only have one thing we can do, I believe, is we got to move forward together in faith, and yes, it's not going to be easy, and yes, there's some nasty giants out there, but I want to, I'm not going to compare them to you and me. I compare them to God, and I, this is what I'm looking for. I want brothers and sisters that are saying, okay, yeah, I'm shaking in my boots. I'm scared. This is nuts, but I don't want to just go in circles in the wilderness, and I don't know what it all means, but I'm, I'm ready to walk with you. Let's go forward and let God do what God wants to do. Okay, we'll close with verses 20 and 21. So we're just barely getting into his message, but at least we're laying the foundation. Paul's message was clear. Sinners repent of their sins and believe in Jesus Christ. So verses 20 and 21. Verse 20, he says, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I didn't hide my message. It's out there. It's public. It's very, very well known. And I've done it in every house. And I've done it to whether you're Jewish, Orthodox or not. Gentile, I don't care where you are from. I'm going to tell you the truth. And here's the message that he went everywhere sharing. And every church was established on this. He says, we're all sinners. That's what he wrote to the church of Rome. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's not like some have sinned or some are religious or some are better or more spiritual or whatever. He goes, no, we're all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God and we need to repent. Isn't it kind of obvious? I don't care what country, continent, I don't care how much money they have or you know, technology, whatever. The world's messed up. It's seven billion broken people. Can I hear an amen on that? Isn't it kind of obvious? And that we need to repent and then believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul preached the gospel of the grace of God. Gospel means, hey, good news, you sinners, you broken people. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He wants to forgive you and will if you ask him because he sent his son from heaven 
to become incarnated into human flesh and blood and bone. He showed us how to live a pure life, and he taught us and healed us and did miracles and raised the dead so we could know he is one with our Father. And then they crucified him, and then they buried him, and on the third day broke sin and it broke death, and he rose from the dead, and he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me, and you'll be with my Father forever. That's the message. And that is what literally turned the world upside down. The fastest growing religion on planet Earth tonight is Christianity. And it's rocking the Middle East, it's rocking Iran, it's rocking Egypt, it is rocking Afghanistan, it is rocking in Pakistan, it's going from house to house. And I'm telling you, we have not seen anything yet. The greatest harvest of souls in the Bibles, in the book of Revelation is Look, I want the rapture to happen now, tonight. Blow the trumpet, let's get out of here. I'm ready to go. But we're still here. So if we're still here, we're not here just waiting, sitting on the rooftop. We've gotta be a light and a witness. Let's be about the harvest. God's into souls. Great for you 99. Let's get the one that's lost so we can get out of here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? <sighs> okay, I feel better. <laughs> Would y'all bear your heads, close your eyes. We'll ask now for... Uh, if you're in your homes, wherever, get ready to join us for communion. But I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ, ask the worship team to come out. And um, so here we are, the sun setting. It's the eve of the beginning of a new month of August. We know we're in the month of Av, biblically, the month of the Father, the Father's love for you. Greater love hath no man than this, than that a man lays down his life for his friends. You're to go to the cross right now. I want you to go in your mind and in your heart, and I want you to stand beneath the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want you to stand there and look up at him. And whatever comes into your mind or your heart to say to him, if you need to confess your sins, if you haven't been close to him, if you've walked away from him, uh, or if you just want to stand there in awe, you, you know the stories and what it says he went through. The only perfect human being who ever lived. And look what the world did to him. We're all guilty. Romans were the Gentiles. The Jews have said he's a false Messiah. We're all guilty. The greatest crime in human history was the crucifixion of the only perfect human being who ever lived, Jesus of Nazareth. But that was all, again, God's plan A. And there is no plan B that God took through his son our sins upon himself, and he's worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy of your obedience, he is worthy of your repentance, he is worthy of your worship, he is worthy of you not messing around with anything in this world or you know, halfway this or that. He, he wants burning, passionate, intense hearts who are all in, who love him with everything they've got. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And that you are a light for him, and you're a witness for him, and you're not ashamed of him. And now more than ever before, there's people that need bold men and women who have got the light of heaven in them to share the truth. Because I'm telling you, there are people coming to the church that haven't been here for decades because their life is falling apart, the world's falling apart, they're depressed, and I, I don't know how to tell you this, but all over the world, there are people that are looking up going, in the midst of this crazy chaos going, I have a feeling that God is behind all of this and in all of this, and I'm not right with him, and I need him. 
So we have an open communion, and if you um, know the Lord, you're more than welcome to eat and to drink with us. If you're, you know, maybe you're that person. Maybe you're listening to the radio. Maybe you're driving and listening. Maybe you're, at, you know, watching online somewhere. Maybe you're in another state. Maybe you're in another country. And you're thinking to yourself, man, if those people knew who was listening to this message right now, they have no idea. I would be the last person you would ever dream or imagine. And yet here you are. And the weird thing is, everything I've said tonight rings true to your spirit. And you know that what has been said and read from the Bible is true. And you know that Jesus Christ is not messing around and he's everything he said he was. And you need him. And I'm going to give you the opportunity to accept him. He's always been with you. But there comes a moment in time where you have to choose. The Bible says he stands at the door of your heart and knocks. If anyone will hear his voice and open the door, he will come into them. And then you become family. He'll forgive you of every sin. He washes your sins away. He doesn't just wave his hand. He paid for your sins and brokenness. That's why he was hung on the cross. Therefore, if you want to say this prayer, I'm going to invite everybody that knows the Lord to pray with me and out loud after me. And it doesn't mean, you know, you get saved again and again. It's remembering, rehearsing, like in a marriage, the beauty of the vows and commitment, strengthening it. But there may be somebody for the very first time. Or maybe you're like, well, I kind of went to church. I went to catechism. I got baptized. I, I went to, you know... Uh, whatever it was, some religious school, and, but you, you're like, I don't know where I am with him. But you want to make sure? Pray this prayer with me right now. He will come in. He will forgive you and give you the gift of eternal life. And if you do say this prayer and are sincere, you are more than welcome to join us and to have communion as a believer, a brand new baby believer. And your spirit will open up and the fruit of the spirit will begin to abound in you. Love and joy and peace. So those that are willing, pray with me and let's pray out loud after this manner. Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I am so sorry for everything that I've done wrong. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I open the door of my heart and I ask you to come into my life to be my personal Lord and Savior. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I receive the gift of eternal life. Now help me follow you, Jesus, all the way to heaven until you see me face to face. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.